Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Do you have the proper perspective as we draw near to the end times? Do you have the proper attitude that Messiah wants his disciples to possess? We are undoubtedly moving near to those last days, and we need to have the right mindset. Take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Luke and chapter 6. Now, we're going to see a progression in this passage in order that we arrive at the main point that this section is wanting to teach you and me, that is, his disciples. So look with me as we begin with verse 12. Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, and verse 12. We read here, And it came about in those days that he went out to the mountain. Now, what's important is this. A mountain speaks of authority. Many times prophetically, a mountain is seen as a seat of government. But here we're seeing how the authority of God functions in this world. And Messiah is going to demonstrate that for us. In order to be a wise steward of the authority of God, and we can say that differently, the power of God, the call of God, the anointing of God, we need to be people who are committed to something. And what is that? Well, to answer that question, we only need to continue to read. We see here that Messiah went out to the mountain in order to pray. If we're going to have the right perspective, if we're going to demonstrate the right attitude that a disciple should have, and we're going to be led by the authority of God, then prayer must be the priority of our life. One of the things that we know is that Yeshua, and I'm speaking about Jesus Christ, he oftentimes referred to himself as the Son of Man. And this is an important term that reveals a few biblical truths, one of which is that the Son of Man is an example to all of humanity. What we should glean from that is this. We're going to see that in a moment, Yeshua is going to make an important decision. He is going to choose disciples, and he makes this selection by prayer. What does the scripture say? Well, look very carefully at the last part of verse 12, where it says, he, and the implication is he was praying, and what does the scripture say? It uses a term which means throughout the night. So he was in prayer throughout the night, and notice what it says. The prayer, and your Bible will say, praying to God, or the prayer unto God. 
But when we look at it in the original language, it's this. It says literally the prayer of God, meaning this. There was an agreement between what Messiah was praying and the prayer of God, meaning the will of God. We pray in order to discern God's will. And what the scripture is teaching us is that there was perfect agreement between Yeshua, the Son of God, and His Heavenly Father, God Himself. So they were praying, meaning God the Father and God the Son were one in objective. And what happens thereafter? Look now to verse 13. And when that day came about, he called to his disciples. And the implication is there were numerous disciples. But he's going to call and Biblically, what we see here is that he is going to make a selection. Look again. And when that day came about, he called to his disciples and he chose from them, meaning this group, he chose 12. Now, I've shared with you before in other teachings that the number 12 is an important number. Yes, it relates to the people of God, but it's also a kingdom number. You study the book of Revelation, especially the New Jerusalem. And the New Jerusalem is the final state of the kingdom of God, the eternal kingdom of God. And we see that there in that city, there were 12 gates. There were 12 foundations. We see that there were 24 elders, two times 12 and also the wall of the New Jerusalem was 144 cubics, meaning 12 times 12. And when we look at the kingdom of God, we see that its dimensions are 12,000 times 12,000 times 12,000, a cube. And what number is repeated over and over? 12. Why is that? As I said, the number 12 relates to the kingdom of God. It is a number of victory, a number that is related to the will of God. And what we see is this Messiah from those of his disciples, he selected 12 of them. That is, he selected these men in regard to his will, that they would be committed to his will, which relates to a kingdom of agenda. And notice what else it says in this scripture. Not only did he choose 12 from them, but it also says, who also apostles he named. He called them not just disciples, but apostles. And that word apostle means to be sent forth, to be sent forth with a purpose. And now we know with the number 12, they had a kingdom purpose. And that's why this is so important, this section of Scripture, because it teaches us how to be disciples, his disciples, and have a right perspective, the correct attitude that he wants all of his disciples to have. Look now to verse 14. We're going to see the names of those 12 disciples. It begins, verse 14, Simon 
who also is named Peter, and Andrew, his brother. And then your Bible probably says James, but literally both in Greek and in Hebrew. It's the name Yaakov or Jacob. So many people don't know that James, biblically, is the name Yaakov or Jacob. Jacob and Yochanah, which is John. Also, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthias, that is Matthew, and Thomas, and then another one called Yaakov, your Bible will say James, James of Alphaeus, and also Shimon, that's Simon, who is called the Zealot, and then we have one by the name of Yehuda or Judah, who is of Yaakov, meaning his father was, was Yaakov or James, and also another Yaakov, who, or excuse me, another Judah, who is Judah Iscariot, who also would become the betrayer. So we have this list of 12 disciples by name. And the naming is important because it shows that these were historical individuals. Messiah chose them for a purpose, for a kingdom purpose. That's why they were 12, and they were sent forth to do kingdom work, to be committed to, committed to kingdom truth. And then what else do we see? Well, look, if you would, to verse 17, where it says, And he went down with them, and he stood upon a level place. If you do a good study of this word for a level place, it's speaking about something that is flat, something that is fitting for a foundation. And this is very informative. What this passage is doing is giving us some foundational truth concerning the purposes of God, how we live out a kingdom call, how we reflect that we have been called to be his disciples and serve in light of a kingdom that is going to be established. Remember, Messiah said at the very beginning of his ministry, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Everything that he came to do related to his desire, his Father's will, this unity between God the Father and God the Son in regard to establishing a kingdom people. And nothing has changed. We have that same call as well. Once more, look at the text, verse, verse 17. And he came down with them, and he stood upon a level place. And a crowd, a crowd of his disciples. So again, yes, there were those 12 that he called out in a unique way, but there was a crowd of disciples that were with him. And not just disciples, but also it says, and many multitudes, so a great multitude of people from all of Judea and Jerusalem and of the shorelines, the coastlines of, of Tyre and Sidon, which is north of Israel, and what's today Lebanon. 
So we see that from Judea all the way up past the Galilee into modern-day Lebanon, there were people that had assembled, those who were his followers and also those who were just from a crowd that came because they heard of who he was, that there were those who were proclaiming him in a unique way, and that he had a ministry of kingdom restoration. Where do we see that? Well, we only need to continue to read verse, verse 17 at the end, where it says, And these came, and here's the key, to hear him. So important. He was going to give revelation. And they came because they believed he was giving to them the revelation of God. That through him that they would know kingdom truth. That they could have what we spoke about when I began our study. And that is to have that kingdom perspective. So let me ask you, are you really serious about this book? Now, I was thinking about asking you, are you serious about your faith? But the way that you are serious about your faith is through a commitment to the Word of God, to be obedient to the Scriptures. So many times, people, they misunderstand what grace is. Grace is not an instrument of liberty to do what we want, nor does grace position us in order that we get God to do our will. That is heresy. It is a false teaching. It's popular. You will fill stadiums. You will sell many books. You will be promoted, but you will not be pleasing to God because it's not about your will. The grace of God is always connected to the will of God. Let me say that differently. The grace of God is connected to the purposes of God. And when we are operating in grace, yes, there's a degree of liberty. We have been set free to do the purposes of God. That's what grace does. So are you committed to that truth? That's how you display the attitude of a true disciple, one who has been sent forth by God for a kingdom purpose. Look again at the text. These came forth to hear him and to be healed from their diseases. Now, what we see here in putting these things together, they came to hear and it's through his word, this revelation, that they could find healing from their diseases. Learn something. This world is in need of repair. There are, as we're going to see, as a consequence of sin. Let me say that differently. As an outcome of living in this world which has been corrupted by sin, there are diseases of a physical variety, but also there are spiritual problems in this world, supernatural things that can afflict us, trouble us, attack us, and he's going to deal with that in a moment. But these individuals, they came to hear him and to be healed from their disease, 
and those who were being tormented by, notice this, unclean spirits. So we see people who were sick and also people who were being tormented by unclean spirits. There are indeed unclean spirits. We can use another word to describe this, and this is the word demon. There are demons in this world that are under the authority of that enemy, and I'm speaking about Satan, that want to trouble you greatly. And it's only through the healing that comes through Messiah Yeshua that, that begins with a salvation experience and then grows and becomes more powerful through sanctification. And what is sanctification? Well, I've shared this before. It is a process by where we become holy, meaning we are more and more submissive to the purposes of God. We become more committed to the things of God. That's that perspective. That's that attitude that we are called to have, especially in light of the fact that we're moving closer to the last days. Look now to the end of verse 18 where it says, And he was healing. These individuals, they were experiencing healing through him. Through what? Through his revelation, his truth. But also, look at verse 19. And all the crowd was seeking to, to touch him. Why? Because power. This is this authority. But this is not the word exousia for authority, but it's related to his authority, but it's the simple word power. And power from him were going forth. And he healed all. Notice that. All these individuals, they came to hear, and I would suggest to you that word here implies something. It is to hear with a desire to respond properly. What you hear, you want to implement into your life. These individuals, they came because they were interested in kingdom revelation. Not being committed to this world. Not achieving the things that this world says is, is good and, and prestigious. And what the world thinks is good. Far from that. These individuals... They were called and set apart by God's revelation for a kingdom purpose. They knew something. God is going to destroy this world. And it's through his judgment, let me say that differently, through his wrath, that he is going to bring a kingdom change into this world. And that's what we should be seeking. But we need to have that right attitude. Look now to the end of verse 19 where it says, He healed all, no exceptions. What good news. And what's the message? Everyone in this world gets healed? No. If you look at where it says, and they were being healed, we see that this is in the imperfect tense. And the imperfect tense says, expect a change. Meaning, that's not always going to be the case. This healing, in an absolute and in a, a, a collective manner, meaning everyone was getting healed, points to him as redeemer. 
him as Messiah. But that's not always the case. We all don't find healing in this world. But we will all find healing where? In the kingdom of God. Now, if you ask me, does God heal today? Yes, he does. Does everyone get healing? No, they do not. But everyone who is a believer, they will be healed in the kingdom of God. Praise God that some experience that now. But there's others that will not. And they're called, as Paul was, to understand that his grace is sufficient. And they serve God, overcoming that affliction, that disease, that sickness, that handicap, whatever it may be. But in the kingdom of God, praise God, there will not be any sickness. There will not be any handicaps. There will not be any disease. There will not be any sorrow. Look now to verse 20. Now, beginning with verse 20, and we're going to attempt to do four more verses, we see what we need to have as our attitude. Look at verse 20. And he lifted up his eyes to his disciples, and he was saying, Blessed are the ones who are poor, because to them, literally yours, and he makes this personal, he uses the second person plural. Blessed are those who are poor because yours is the kingdom of God. Now, when it says poor here, it's a word for being afflicted. Those who are grieved about the current condition of this world. That it's a world stained by sin and affected by sin. But this is not going to be what it's like. Why? Notice what he says. Blessed are the ones who are poor because yours is the kingdom of God. Blessings are, blessed are the ones who are, are hungry now. Why? Because they will be satisfied. Here again, he makes it more personal. You will be satisfied. Then he says, Blessed are the ones who weep now because you will laugh. Now, what a wonderful hope. When we are in the kingdom of God, we are going to laugh. That is an expression of joy and gladness, but it also signifies a change. Now, have we not all had the experience when we look back at something and it may have been something that was difficult, something that was hard, something that was unpleasant, something that may have been a cause of great sorrow. But with time and with the passing of time, we look at that and sometimes we laugh at that experience because it's no longer our condition. There's been a change. And what God is promising here is this. There is coming a change where those things that may have caused us to weep, those things that caused us to be empty or afflicted, all of that is going to change when? In the kingdom of God. And then he says, look at verse 22. Blessed are you. Now he makes it again in the second person. Blessed are you whenever men hate you. Think of that. Blessed are you when people hate you. 
And whenever they exclude you, and by the way, our faith will cause us to be excluded. You will lose contracts if you have a business. You will lose jobs because of your commitment to the authority of Messiah. Because of your submissiveness to kingdom revelation. You will be excluded, he says, and they will insult. They're going to insult you and cast your name out as evil. And why do they do that? That you're evil? It says, on account of the Son of Man. Now, remember what I said. Son of Man is synonymous with an example. He is the perfect example to humanity. Son of Man simply means a servant of humanity. And one of the ways that he serves us is by being that perfect example of how a godly individual lives. And he says in this passage, you're going to be hated. You're going to be excluded. You are going to have your name cast out as evil. Why? Because of your commitment to the truth of God. So do not let, when you stand for truth and the standards of God, don't allow those who say that you're a bigot, say that you are narrow-minded, say that, that you need to be removed from, from this position, from that committee, from that organization. So what? Whatever you lose in this world, you make up many times over in your rewards in the kingdom of God. And why do I talk about rewards? Well, look at our last verse, verse 23, where he says, Rejoice in that day. What day? When you're excluded, when you are given a bad name, when you are hated, when you are weeping over what they're doing to you, that sadness that the world causes you to experience. He says this, Rejoice in that day and, and I love this, skip. Now, this is an expression of joy. It is an outward sign of an inner joy that overcomes what the world is trying to place upon you. He says, for behold, and this makes it emphatic. It makes it emphasize. He says, behold. For your reward is much in heaven. Now, in this case, this word heaven relates to the kingdom of God. Well, let's wrap up. He says, for according to these things, their fathers did to who? Their fathers did to the prophets. And we see once more how. The prophets, and when I say prophets, we're talking about the Old Testament prophets who spoke truth and who were rejected by society, rejected by leaders. This is how these who were opposed to him, how their fathers treated the prophets. Why? Because the prophets spoke kingdom truth. The world doesn't want kingdom truth. Let me conclude by asking you a very important question, and that is this. Are you truly committed to kingdom truth? Because that is what prepares us for the last days.
Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Thank you.